Hey, it's Patrick Combs with Bluffs Country, and you're listening to Success in Iowa. Welcome to this episode of Success in Iowa. I'm Todd Studer. In studio today, I am about to learn all kinds of wonderful things about mechanics that I never knew before. Uh, Brad Kraus, Krause, Krausmeister, we're not sure uh, exactly how to pronounce the last name. He's with Grease Monkey and Council Bluffs. How are you doing today, Brad? Good. Good. Let's uh, begin with uh, a little bit of your background and because everybody that listens to the podcast that's in this area knows who you are. They, they've all, and you probably know them too, but your background a little bit. What, what got you into where you're at now with being an owner of Grease Monkey? Okay, the owner of Grease Monkey. Okay, well then we need to go back to my dad. Okay. My dad started it in 1985, and um, I didn't come on board until 1991, so I was, it was like six years into it. What were you doing before that? Napa Auto Parts. All right. Yeah. You actually kind of look like a Napa guy. <laughs> I never thought of that before. <laughs> now that you said it, oh, I can see you behind that counter. So, yeah. Well, actually, I was a, I was a driver, so um, I just uh, I wasn't getting moved up to the counterman position, and... One day, my dad came to me and said, um, one of his top guys had been in a car crash and he wasn't going to be coming back. And he goes, are you ever going to come back? Are you ever going to start working for me? And I'm like, um, okay. And so I, I, 1991, I took the plunge. And so, yeah, I just celebrated, what, 32 years at Grease Funky. So. What did you do when you first started there? At Napa? No, no. Oh, at, 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 at Grease Monkey? Working oh. for your dad. What was what was your first job when you got oh, there? Oh, just 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 started off like everybody else, like you know, vacuuming and washing windows and and um, since I already had some car knowledge, I I did start working on the on the actual cars. Like I can't remember, later on, probably the very first day, but I think it was in the first two or three days I was already doing stuff that you know that. We normally don't just let anybody just start right. off, you know. But um, well, you've—I mean, your entire life you've had uh, you've had a love for things, all things mechanical, right? Yes, yes. Because you took me and uh, a buddy of mine uh, through a brief tour through one of your facilities where you've got a lot of storage, and that was mostly motorcycles and a few mopeds and things like that. But your your collection is kind of big. I guess you can say it. I don't. I, it depends on what you call big. Yes. Um, um, what I call big, I, I call it Jay Leno big. I mean, what you have now, it may not be all. Everything you have may not be completely showroom ready, but you have some that is. What the building that you walked through? Yes, there. Um, there was probably I was about twenty five or thirty bikes there that that um that are show show worthy and. Uh, most of the stuff is that I've got show worthy is most of that is at home. So, but jumping back into the business side because you go to work for your dad, mm-hmm. but you've always, at least from what you've told me, even going back to when you were a teenager, you've had kind of this entrepreneurial spirit about you, and you've always looked at things a little bit differently, like that. Yeah, that that sounds, yeah. Pretty correct. Yes. <laughs> so, how does that tie in then with you go to work for your dad and you're changing oil and you're cleaning windows and you're doing that kind of stuff? But every entrepreneur that I've ever met, that gene doesn't 
tick off. It's always there and it's always running. Yeah, correct. I mean, yes, I, I'm always trying to think of the next thing to. So how did that tie in then with when you went to work for your dad? How did, how were you able to mesh those two things together? Just, just did it. And then this one thing leads to another. And then I didn't, you know, buy a warehouse here. And then, and then I, you know, and start collecting stuff and buying stuff. And, and then, and then, then I, you know, started, I did start a little, if you're referring to the, the sand blasting, water blasting business, I started also, um, started that up to help with the motorcycle restoration part. And then, um, Currently, I am actually thinking of another thing that <laughs> you, you got something else you're working on, huh? So, yeah, <laughs> yes. So, so yeah. Um, always trying to think of a, one more thing to help with. You know, was becoming an owner with your dad was that always the goal, or did you grow into that? Uh, no, that just grew into it. Um, um, it was actually 2001. A guy by the name of Tony Stavalski and I bought my dad's partner out in 2001 and then um uh funny little story there uh not, well it's not very funny um uh 2001 it was mid midsummer my dad says well you guys you and tony since you guys are new owners you know you guys have to go to san diego for the um for the grease monkey convention because you guys are owners now you know and so i'm like okay so um september we go to San Diego and um we can get into a whole nother subject here but um we go to San Diego and I wake up on September 11th and um in San Diego and and Tony and his um girlfriend at the time and I we end up driving home because um because of you were actually stuck I was actually stuck in San Diego um on September 11th 2001 and we all know what happened that day so I'm guessing that there was probably a lot of folks in that same boat that you were. So even finding a rental car could yes. have been easy. Yes. Um, we actually got one of the last two rental cars and we rented a compact and the, the great kind lady at the, de- at the, at the um, checkout point, we were driving out in this little, I don't even know what we even had. Um, there was a Firebird convertible Trans Am that was available, and uh, Tony and I both wanted that. And <laughs> and um, his girlfriend at the time said, "No way, uh, too dangerous. We're gonna roll over, and we're gonna all end up dying." So that was out of the question. So we ended up renting this little Toyota Corolla or something. It was small, right? And the person in the back seat was just jammed, and the the lady at the at the, as we were driving out, she's like, back up. I'm going to give you a bigger car. And so she <laughs> she found us a bigger car, and I don't know. So then the, the 2,000, 2,500 miles journey, you know, was a lot better because of her. But, but yeah. Well, I actually have a story about Grease Monkey that goes back to right about that same time that uh, the I was married at the time, and uh, my then-wife's vehicle that she had uh, it through the serpentine belt and I tried to fix it myself okay did a horrible horrible job <laughs> and was unable to complete the job so she got a hold of grease monkey and I, I might have been you to be honest with you and uh, somebody there quoted a price in order to fix that that was incredibly low 
And so we got the car towed up there, and your dad was not happy. <laughs> that somebody had quoted that price because I remember when we went when I went up there to pay him uh, he was rather vocal about it <laughs> oh, all right I, it was it was low it was yeah. like I don't know it was less than 50 bucks yeah. <laughs> but, uh, what kind of car was that uh, Oldsmobile um, had the same look as the Ford Taurus back then they looked like almost identical cars I don't remember specifically. It was an Oldsmobile, but I don't remember specifically what it was. Oldsmobile, maybe. Yeah, it yeah. Uh, was. Um, it was light blue. I remember that. But <laughs> past that, I don't know. Yeah. I remember we bought it at Keist. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I remember a lot of things about it, but I don't remember specifically what brand it was. Yeah. But, but anyway, that was my um, first experience, and that was my first time that I learned that uh, you put right on the. Uh, receipt, the pretty girl discount, yep. and, which I think you're still doing, aren't you? Yep. Yeah, yep. that's still in there. So it's just kind of a market. It, it's a very clever marketing thing. Yep. And anyway, so jumping back, and now you are, you're working for your dad, and you're starting to think about as it's evolving into, okay, maybe I want to be a part owner of this. What was that conversation like with your dad, and how did he respond to it? Well, actually, it... um we did. It, it came up in conversation a couple times. It one day I just um, I think we were having some help situations, you know, twenty some years ago, and and I actually I I actually told my dad I was I told him I was quitting, and um, I actually did quit for wow. just a few months, and um, and and then he yeah that was a um, right before Father's Day. Uh, it was like in the spring. I remember going to my dad's house for Father's Day. Um, it just was an awkward, awkward summer that summer, knowing that I quit. And and um, he's like, well, I, I think Bob wants to sit down and talk to you about, you know, um, buying his half or something. So that's how that kind of went. And When that purchase actually happened and now you're part owner? Did that change the dynamic with your dad at all? How, how did uh, how did things get to where you know you you actually have more responsibility and are more in charge of things? Um, yeah, things. I mean, things got better. I mean, yeah, obviously when I came back, it things were you know back to being good, and um, and then I did take charge on doing a few things. Um, I remember one of the biggest things that I I'm like one of the biggest deals that I did. <laughs> it's going to sound a little weird, but it was, I'm like, I had to convince my dad into a waste oil heater. Um, I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm part of this now. And we're writing out checks back then we were writing out checks for six and seven hundred, eight hundred dollars for a gas bill every month. And I can't even imagine what it would have been like this, this winter. Cause I mean, this winter was just ridiculous. Um, well, and you're constantly opening and shutting oh, doors. Yeah. So, you know, it, yeah. you're, it's just, the the furnace or the heater or whatever it is never stops running. Right. So so we uh, had the waste oil heater installed and um, and we were using it quite a bit. And my dad got that first bill, and um, our gas bill for this, the office was um, about sixty eight dollars or something. And, and this was for December, and my dad's like, whoa. <laughs> Whoa! I'm like, maybe you did a good. This was a good idea of yours, um, and then he's like, you know what? 
so he started propping the doors open for the office at night, and we were going out there because you know waste oil was. I mean, we we were you know practically paying to get rid of it. Right. So so we're cranking that heater up, and um, and he was op- propping open the doors. He's I'm going to get this bill below fifty bucks. <laughs> And he, and I think he got down to fifty one dollars for December or January or something, and uh, and I remember getting a phone call from the gas company. Uh, we're coming down to change your meter. I'm like, why? They thought the meter was broken. Like, and it was just so just so we're all on the same page. Goes, we're changing that meter out, and we're gonna probably be sending you a bill when we figure out how much gas you really use. I'm like, well, we didn't use no gas. Why are you changing the meter out? The meter's not broke. Well, there was a big, a big red flag. You know, you can't go from eight hundred dollars to fifty dollars because, and you will be paying. The, I'm like, well, the meter ain't broke, and um, I'll wait to hear the results. And sure enough, I called them like two days later, and they're like, uh, no, the meter was fine. Uh, what kind of heater did you put in? <laughs> like <laughs> one that doesn't take natural gas. So, so that was kind of a. So let me, if if I'm understanding you right, your dad was actually opening up the doors to make that uh, that used oil burning more. So, 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 so you didn't have to get rid of that in a different way. You so could actually burn she it. He was he was opening the doors to the office. So at nighttime, this was at night. Oh, I see. So so it was a, it was actually getting the heat from. Yeah, the, okay, so, I'm with you now. So he turned okay. the heat down in the office down to, you know, fifty. Right. And then and then propping the two the two walk in doors and right. so, so the air was going circulating around in into the office. And it and it did work and you yeah. got the bill below fifty bucks. Yeah. Well fifty one I think I think you never <laughs> did get it below fifty, but that's, that's awesome. But yeah. So So what's it uh uh What's it been like now that, because your dad is kind of, I mean, he's still part owner, but he stepped away quite a bit, right? He is not part owner anymore. Okay. Uh, A guy by the name of Steve Britton and I bought my dad out about, about nine and a half years ago. Okay. I think I was, I was taking a peek. I I still owe my dad about four or five more months of payments. So, so, so <laughs> that's getting close. So, um, so, uh, he is still on the payroll. He's not owner. I mean, I guess I, he's still somewhat owner cause I'm, I'm we're paying him off, but, but, right. but he, yeah. so it sounds like he actually carried the note then for you. Yes, he okay. did. Yes. Um, so, so here in a few more months, his shares will be all bought out and, and then, um, and then, but he is on the payroll because he's still doing he's still doing the some of my book the, the bookkeeping and stuff. So, what do you credit the community response to what it is that you're doing there? Because anytime that I have been by the line out every bay that you have operating is two or three cars deep, and it doesn't matter what time of day it is, it's always that way. What has made Grease Monkey and your location such a success with the community? That is a good question. I I don't know what I've done or what it, my dad and I and Steve and Tony have done, but I mean, I mean, just we're, I mean, I know we've just been honest. Um, I mean, no one's, I mean, I don't know. I guess it just paid off because it's, it is busy. It's extremely busy um, and it never seems to, doesn't seem to die down at all. So, 
Well, it's, I mean, for me, uh, when I bring, when I brought my car there to you, it was whether I was talking to you or whether I was talking to someone else on your staff, mm-hmm. there wasn't a difference. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think you do a very good job of, uh, uh, training the people there that, you know, customer service is really big to what you do here and it goes past just what you're doing with the car. It's how you talk to people, yeah. it, it, all of that. And, and I think that you have you, you must have a very good training system in place because they all were that way. I don't I I mean I we just kinda we don't really have a a great training. I mean we just we just um I don't know, just do you, I guess do you think it's just the atmosphere that you have in there that because that that is there's something to that too. I've been in places that I didn't want to be at that I was working. Yeah. The office is just horrible. Yeah. But your place isn't like that. I guess it's just finding the right people and just just trying to be nice and I mean just I mean I don't know. I just, well, you told me you told me the story the other day about um, you know when you open on a Saturday that folks start lining up early. Yes, um, this this particular Saturday because I asked every um, I run the um, cash register for the first hour um, by by Robin is uh, she gets it there at about nine ten about. Almost on the dot at nine ten, nine twelve. You know she's walking in, but um. So the first hour is all me and the on the cash register, and I, and I ask every every week, what time did you get here? <laughs> and, and um, and it's this this particular week was um six thirty two. The guy said six thirty two, but you didn't open till eight, right? Eight o'clock, yes. So, all right, I'm doing the math here because. Let's say that you you are three or four cars deep in a line. Mm-hmm. How long would they wait in line at that point before they're able to get through? Uh, usually about 15 minutes. So it's about 15 minutes per car. Per car. So if they pull in and they're the fourth in line, chances are they're going to be done in an hour. Yeah. This well, guy waited an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> now, for some odd reason, um, it seems like the first car on each bay for some odd reason something is always not you know maybe the air compressor ain't turned on all the way whatever there's no air something's it seems like the first car has always got that little hiccup and there's always something you know it seems like that first car always takes about 25 minutes or some <laughs> I, I don't know 20 to 25 it just something's always yeah not quite right but yeah, not not every day, but it just. But yeah, let's jump back even further, going back to you know when you were a teenager, because you and I talked and you you told me the story about when you got your first car. First car. And when, uh, what what was it? A '73 Camaro. What year was that? Uh, what year did you buy it? Uh, when I was 15, I. So it would have been. Um, what year would that have been? 1980. I started driving, I think, in 85. 85. So it have been 84. 1984. Okay. So, yeah, that was right about, the, that was the same year I bought my first car. So, you know, we're, yeah. we're right even. I didn't yeah. buy a 73 Camaro, though. So, well, now. Do you, do you remember what you paid for it? $300. <laughs> he got his car cheaper than mine. But now, mine drove home, but a good friend, a good neighbor of mine, Bob Maynard, and I fully restored that car, and... um and we we spent a whole year on it, and, and he's the one actually one that found it for me. Um, so, so yeah, we um, so so uh, are you can 
trying to get to the 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 story of my yeah. mom. Okay, yeah. so yeah, yeah. let's just get, let's just put the whole thing out there. So, it's, it's kind of a good story. So, my mom, bless her heart, um, she says, well, she talks to my dad and she says, well, Brad doesn't like to spend his money, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kick this right in the right in the right in the rear right now. So she comes and says, okay, Bob found you this car. And um, we're going to go ahead and let you buy it. And and you can fix it all up that, the way you want it. That's fine. But don't you ask for one dime. We don't care what you do with your money. You can buy whatever car parts. You can buy whatever car you want because it's going to be all your own money. And don't ask for a dime. Okay. Okay, Mom. Okay. So, <laughs> so, um, so I bought it when I was 15. I, I don't think I was 14. No, I'm I'm pretty sure that when I was 15. So, so I, so I buy it, and shortly, I mean, I'm talking shortly after that, Dad comes home and says, "Um, I think I found you another car, um, another 71, 72, 73 Camaro, that had a good motor in it." So I was already on my second, you know, I was already buying my second car when I, <laughs> so, I ended up buying. A third car, um, another Camaro. Shortly, it, I might have, I might have already turned sixteen when I bought the third Camaro, and started rebuilding the motor for that one too. Um, my friend Mike Hovey, um, him and I spent a lot of time on that car, and um, there was a few other friends too. But Mike and I were on that car like every day. I mean, just tinkering and playing around with it and were they all the Camaros pretty similar I mean so the parts interchange yeah, that kind of thing yes the the first two yeah so I brought it home this other it was actually from an employee of Grease Monkey um and it was um had a really good strong engine in it and um and it was in pretty sad shape and um so we brought that home and yanked the motor out and and um and that's what Mike Mike and I tore the old motor down and and um, I have pictures of that. Um, so, so yeah. Um, so we got the the '73 up and running real well, and and then Bob Maynard and I um, started on the body work and and painting it cherry red and and I'll learning as you go. Learn, I'm assuming as I go. Yep, yep. So this is pre-internet, so you couldn't yep, watch a YouTube yep, video to yep. figure out how to do it. So exactly. So. So then it was after the third Camaro, um, after the third Camaro, I had, I had a speeding ticket and a drag racing ticket in the first Camaro. <laughs> and so I already had to build a bigger engine for the third Camaro. And, um, that's when I believe it was State Farm. I don't know. Um, State Farm calls the house and says, um, Mr. Mr. You know, Mr. Mom and Dad. They called my mom and dad and said, "Hey, they're um, you know, the whole entire family is going to lose the insurance due to your son. You know, being, you know, a 16 year old driver and he's in a sports car. And so they said, um, you need to do something about that. You know, and so like no no Camaros, no Firebirds, no Corvettes, and um, I can't remember. There was a so they're like no sports cars. Right. So I call up, call the insurance company up, and I say, "Well, how about a, 
how about a 69 Chevelle with a 396 um, SS Chevelle? Oh, that's not a sports car. That's a that's not a sports car. No, no, not at all. And I'm like, well, that's <laughs> I mean, that's more powerful than than yeah. the sports. Car. Like, so I'm like, so are you telling me that I can have any of these big block Chevelles? Or so I started looking for a Chevelle. I I looked for, I probably looked at sixty to seventy Chevelles. Um, uh, Forty five years later, I wish I would have bought every single one of them because not one of them was over two thousand dollars, and now they're all you know right. thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar cars. But um, so um, I looked at quite a few SSs, a, quite a few, a couple convertibles, a couple. I mean, I looked at all kinds of stuff. I just could not find the one that really spoke to me. And um, and then my dad gets this phone call from a. A good friend of mine, Gary Vandermolen, and um, he was getting rid of this '68 Pontiac GTO. Well, so uh, it actually was a Le Mans. Okay. Um, but yeah, GTO. Yeah, the Le Mans Tempest GTO body. Um, and I go, well, what the heck's a what the heck's a '68 Le Mans? I mean, I. I don't even know what this even is, you know. And so I I go down to that guy's house, and um, he opens up the garage door and goes, the transmission's in really weak shape. And um, and so I I look at it. I sit in it. I'm like, well, it's got bucket seats like a Chevelle. And I'm like, man, it looks like a Chevelle. I mean, it feels like a Chevelle. I mean, it, it, this <laughs> thing, I'm like, well, because my vocabulary back then was, you know, Firebird, Trans Am, Mustang, and um, Corvette. I mean, that's all I, that's all I ever knew. That's all I ever wanted. I mean, that's all I dreamed about. So I wasn't, I never even dreamed of a, of a, a so-called GTO or Le Mans or anything like that. So I, so I'm like, well, six hundred dollars. I'm like, I'm gonna go ahead and, I'm gonna go ahead and buy this. And the guys at Grease Monkey helped me out that that night or the next night or whatever and i and i wrote my first check to gary because i just put all my money in this checking account my mom and mom's like you gotta get this money in a checking account and so i told gary i'm like i'm like i just put all my money in the check well i I know your dad i'll take a check so my first check number 101 was written to gary for my 68 pontiac and um so so i got that home and and well we pushed it to Grease Monkey, we pushed it. The guys, it was only two blocks away, and um, we pushed it down there. And my dad said, "Well, drop that transmission pan and, and let's see if we can't get this thing to to move." So I did and got done. Put all the new training fluid in it. It wouldn't move. Well, he goes, "Well, yeah, you can either put a transmission in, or you can um, let's try this stuff called TransX." I go, okay, let's go over to Napa and buy it. And um, so I go over there and put this Trans X in there. I drove that car for a whole entire year, two years. I think it was two years until I was a senior in high school. And I put a whole brand new motor and transmission in it in in my shop class at at Lewis Central. And um, with um, Don Angeroff as my my teacher and – so I, um, 
put this new motor and transmission in um an actual gto motor and 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 i don't know that's so through all that i started buying so i started buying another 68 pontiac and another 68 and then i bought about six so before i knew it i was probably a couple dozen pontiacs because i'm like Man, I kind of like these Pontiacs, and no one else really has these things. So I started buying and buying. And you're a teenager. Where are you getting all your money? I, I, well, I worked, and i I always I always uh, mowed yards, and and I did a lot of babysitting, um, and um, I babysit for the O'Briens and the Barbers, and then I mowed I mowed this the Alonages yard. I started that when I was like eleven or twelve years old, and I mean, I've been trying to save some money up, and so I, I kind of, I mean, I was, if I wanted something nice and kind of expensive, I had to buy it myself, and so, which goes back to a, in that 1982, 81, 82, I bought my, mom and dad bought a, a wouldn't buy me a BMX bicycle, the, the, one of the high dollar bikes, right? and so I, I bought that BMX bicycle um, with my own money, and my mom just asked me a few months ago, "What did you ever do with that Diamondback bicycle that you just had to have?" I'm like, "Well, it's hanging up in my garage." You still, <laughs> you still have it. You still have it. And I'm like, "Yeah." I go, um, "Just for um, just for fun, mom. Why don't you get on eBay and just type in vintage BMX bicycles and uh, and those early '79 to '80." Three BMX bicycles are like in the thousands on eBay, and um, my mom's like, "I can't believe you." I'm like, <laughs> "Why?" You know, like, so so that goes back to another this other story. So I'm I'm so I'm buying all these Pontiacs, and and um, I start renting a um, a big Quonset from the Wheelers down by Glenwood. And I'm filling this thing up with all these Pontiacs. And I'm like, I'm like, so back to my mom saying, you do whatever you want with that money, but we're not buying a single dime. We're not paying for nothing. You want a car stereo for that car? You're buying it. You know, you want new wheels and tires? You're buying it. And so, so day before my 20th birthday, I got the paper out or the, had a paper and I'm like, hmm, I'm at 98 cars. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you still own all of these cars? No, no, no. Um, well, well, I still own a few of those. No, no, I mean not today, but I mean at the time when you said you're up to 98 no, cars. How no, many? How many of those had you sold in the meantime uh, as you're buying more? Well, I really wasn't. I I did sell some, but that's how I was kind of getting the 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 cash flow for more cars is I was parting them out and piecing them out. And, and then I got, then I started getting into trans ams and, and, um, Steve and I look back and, and talk about some of the trans ams that I, I mean, I cut up a whole bunch of smoking the bandit black trans and T top trans ams, four speed trans. Am, I mean, I was buying those. I was buying this stuff out of the newspaper for, Five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred dollars. Well, back then, those were really yeah. plentiful because yeah. they got so popular after yes. that movie. And I, I mean, I don't know how many of those cars they sold, but it was a lot. Yeah, 
Um, and they weren't, if I remember right, they weren't really that great of a sports car. Not, not really. I mean, I, I mean, they're they're great. I mean, I would like to have a really nice one right now. Oh but, yeah. Um, well, but, but, but <laughs> if you but, had if you had one back from because that was a '77, I think that was in the movie. Yeah. If, if you had one from back then, yeah. Then, oh, you can write your own ticket. I mean, oh. that that's very valuable. Yes. Yes. Um. So yeah, I I, I cut up a lot of trans, but so I. So with the, all the, the, the Pontiacs, the Le Mans's, the GTOs, and the Tempuses, and the Firebirds, and Trans Ams, and I, I was at 98 cars the day, two days before my, my um, 20th birthday, and I seriously asked myself, do I go out and buy two more cars, just, just to buy two <laughs> cars today, tomorrow, so I can say I broke 100 cars by, by when I was a, as I was a t- teenager, so... So I didn't, but at this, so I guess the record, I mean, I don't know if it's even a record, but it's 98 cars when I was a teenager, so. That's, I don't know of any other, I've never met anybody that hit that many, and I had a, there's a kid in my class that I grew up with that was, he was really big into cars and trucks, and uh, he never approached anything of that level. Yeah. Yeah. built a monster truck when he was 15 but you know but anyway yeah i'm just i'm i'm thinking about all that and i'm thinking about what i did and had a the only the only thing that i can say that you and i have in common is my first car was also a chevrolet mm-hmm. but it was not <laughs> Camaro. Camaro. Yeah. it was it was a 77 gt vega well, not, not, which you don't see those no. anywhere because they were junk cars i yeah. mean they were it had uh, 74,000 miles on it when I bought it, and it was already done at that yeah. point. And, uh, I, well, you said you paid 300 bucks for that Camaro. I paid 325 <laughs> yeah. for, for this, and a year later sold it for 275 <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. Not running. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so I, I, I tell my mom, I'm like, I, I remind her, remember that time that you told me I had to spend my own money and, and buy my first car and you told me you didn't care what I did I go what do you think of me now (laughs) (laughs) what do you think of me now (laughs) so so yeah so I remind her yeah we get some chuckles out of that so at some point you had to have bought your first motorcycle because you have one or two of those now so 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 that I had motorcycles I, I had a motorcycle once in a great while I had one when I was a kid um Mom and Dad bought me. They did buy me that for my, I think a birthday or Christmas. Um, it was a used XR seventy five, nineteen seventy three, uh, which are worth ungodly amounts of money now. Th- th- that particular year, right? Seventy three. Um, it's the first year, and um, and why I sold I sold it one. I think I was sold it because I was buying that bicycle in nineteen eighty three, eighty. I'm sorry, eighty one. Because in '83 I bought my moped. I could have been selling it when I bought the moped. I so I could have sold it in '81 or '83. I, I can't remember, but I remember selling it for like $250 at a garage sale. My mom's had a garage sale, and I'm like, I'll stick this out there, and I sold it. And um, let's just say that the one I have now, the 1973 that I had to go find, I had to go find one, and and it was in rough shape, and I had a uh, pay someone to restore it for me because um, I don't have the time to restore all these bikes. So, 
that one got done by a buddy of mine, Clint, down in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I have, I have, let's just say I have more than $250 invested in that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's unreal what it costs to restore these things. So, so yeah, about 1999, 2000, 2001-ish, I, I got on eBay one day and I said, what is going on with these muscle cars? I'm like, these muscle cars are bringing eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars on eBay, and you're not even getting a motor, and you got a trailer at home, and and it was just unreal with these. And I'm like, I can't even, I, I just can't. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I mean, I, I used to buy these for three, four, five, six hundred bucks, and now it's, you know, now you got to add a zero plus some. Um, to even get a carcass to bring home. So I'm like, I think I'm going to give up on the muscle cars. And um, so I bought a motorcycle, uh, a vintage Honda. And then I bought another vintage Honda. Then I bought a guy's oh, 10 or 12 collection of Hondas. And then I bought an, then I ran an ad. And then I uh, ended up with 40 or 50 more. And then I um, bought another guy's, uh, what he had like 15 old bikes and I bought those and then so one bike um the one the one bike I had that started all it's a it's a 1978 CT125 Honda they only made it one this is a a trail 125 Honda I bought it from a from this little old man that uh bless his heart he I had changed his oil a couple times like on his gold wing at Grease Monkey. And this one particular year, he comes up on this little orange Trail 125 Honda. And I go, that's a pretty nice, Wilbur was his name. And I, I said, I said, Wilbur, what are you doing with this? He goes, oh, I dug it out of my shed. He goes, um, my bike, my, my gold wing wasn't ready up in Sioux City, and um, he had this deal with Sioux City. He drove a, and this guy was in his 80s at this time, or maybe at this particular time, he was in his late, late 70s. He had a deal with with Sioux City, um, Honda. He would store, they would store his bikes for no charge, and he would come up on this exact date, um, uh, March or April, April, I don't know, just, it was an exact date every year he would drive up to Sioux City, and they would be expecting him that particular day. It, it was plain and simple. He would walk in, and he would turn the key on. And and he, they knew that this bike had to be ready on um, April 15th or whatever, whatever day it was. And, um, and he'd walk in. He would turn the key on, and if it said 7,844 miles or whatever it was, then he would just simply start it, load it up, and um, walk in and say, what do I owe you for the oil change and the, uh, the spark plugs or whatever. If he turned the key on and it said 0000, he got the bigger checkbook out, and he knew that it was a brand new bike. No questions asked. He he would take the bike up to Sioux City, 
and says, you know the rules. And if someone came in that winter, said, hey, how much for that Burgundy Goldwing, that 19, whatever, whatever year it was, there better be a Burgundy Goldwing there with zero miles on it. Newer, newer, a newer year. But um, so he did that and he bought a new Goldwing almost every year. And he only got caught once with his life. <laughs> they sent him the title in the mail. It says, you don't have, this is since 1998. He goes, your gold wings are 1989. He goes, oh, I upgraded this year. This year. <laughs> and, and, but he upgraded almost, almost every year. Right. And his wife only caught him one time. So, it was, so he brings this little orange bike up to Grease Monkey because his bike wasn't, this particular year, it wasn't ready or it was too nice of weather out. He drives it up the Grease Monkey, and um, I'm like, that is a really pretty bike. And his bike only had like 1,000 miles on it. And it was, oh, it was 20-some years old, 25 years old. I'm like, he goes, yeah, because it's for sale. I'm going to sell it to this one particular person. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy's grandson's going to get it. I mean, this this guy, whoever this one guy is, is going to get a smoking deal. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, he goes, yeah. He goes, what time are you going to be down at my house tonight? I'm like, I, excuse me? I'm like, <laughs> he goes, it's only for sale to one person. He goes, what time are you going to be down at my house tonight? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, 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 I don't know what to say. I'm like, he's like, well, bring me down 300 bucks. And um, I'm like, and at the time, I'm like, do I even want this thing for $300? And I'm like, and I went down to his house that night, and I bought it. I'm like, for 300 bucks, I'm like, I can't, you know, what the heck. And that, I had so much fun on that bike. I drove it up and down Alex. This is when I was still trying to buy cars mm-hmm. and trying to find old junk in people's backyard. And so I I drove up and down. I would, I would go from point A to point B, and I'd take the long way. I'd go down each alley and... Because this was a little dirt bike, and so I went up and down alleys and stuff, and um, would find you know random cars like in someone's backyard that I'd never saw before, and and then I'm like, this is so much fun. I'm like, I better get another bike for a buddy, you know. That way we can, you know. And then my ultimate goal was um, to buy like a car hauler, and um, I was always going to invite. I got a couple friends, you know, Steve and Steve and 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 Bill. These Four guys, I or these three other guys, I hung out with quite a bit and went to swap meets and 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 um, I was always oh, I better have a, an extra bike for Steve Rhodes and I, I better have a bike for Steve Britton and I better have a bike for Bill Zimmerman and I better have I'm like well, you know what I better have a a backup bike in case one of those you know and then I was always going to put these on a car hauler and then we just like open up the open up a map uh, an atlas and just point to a state and just like okay we're going to we're going to utah today you know or going to montana or south dakota and and just buy some cars and and we drive these little bikes around and so that's what actually started the bike collection that no lie uh one bike turned into five five turned into ten and then then before i knew it ten turned into a hundred and then a hundred turned into 500 and then (laughs) and it's still going (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah. How far have you gone for a for a bike? How how far out? Oh, um, me personally, I go to Ohio every year. It's the largest. It's the largest swap meet in and actually in in the world, I think, um, for for actual vintage motorcycle only. And it's in Lexington, Ohio, in July, and I I go there every year, and and I bring something home every year. Do you take anything there? No, <laughs> barely ever. Um, um, here's a real funny story. So I go with a guy. I go with a guy named Doug, Hal, Jerry. And, and and then now Clint goes also from Lincoln. But um, so one year we so the, the some of those guys I just mentioned. Okay, they take Doug took two or three bikes that year. Hal took two or three. Um, Jerry took two. Or, so we we took out eleven bikes. I'm trying to think of what year that was. But anyway, we take out eleven bikes. And they're like, Brad, were you taking anything? I'm like, well. Um, looks like we're pretty full. And you're like, well, we are. So hopefully you weren't taking anything. Normally you don't. I mean, well, I guess I'm not taking anything this year because obviously the whole entire truck and trailers are all full. I mean, we usually take out two trucks. The idea when you get there to sell them, right? Yeah, yeah that they were. Yes. yes. Okay. And I don't like to sell very much. So, so I, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a buyer oh. and, and <laughs> these guys are kind of like sellers and, and, um, so they all take bikes to sell. I take none. Jerry was the only one that brought one back home because his wife really liked this one little white one. But he sold his two other ones. Doug Jackson sold his two or three. Hal Johnson sold his two or three. And um, and so, so they all sold everything besides Jerry brought the one back. Remember... There was no room for me, so I took none. Um, so they, out of the 11 bikes they took, they sold 10. Brad, I take none. I sold 12 and brought back six, I believe. So <laughs> You sold, so un, sight unseen, you sold them? How, I, I'm, I'm missing something there. <laughs> well, so... When you go to Ohio with Doug Jackson, you you Doug was like, "What'd you pay for that?" I'm like, "Well, I paid uh, four hundred dollars for that one, or I paid five hundred, or what." So I walk away, and um, and he starts like cleaning the wheels, or he starts wiping it down, like of something you just bought. I ju- I just bought it, yeah, and I, and I actually had a purpose for. It. I mean, I wanted to buy it. I mean, and I come walking back. I'm like, uh, "Where's my um, where's my Yamaha at?" Oh yeah, here here's the money for it. I got you. I made you a hundred bucks. <laughs> like, so he sold it for you. So I I literally <laughs> took out zero, and I sold. I think I think I sold eleven or twelve that year, and I brought home. I think I brought home five. I think I think that's I think that's how it went. I think I sold eleven. They sold ten that they took out. I took out zero. Sold eleven and brought back five. I think. I'm imagining the paper trail of all of this. I mean, if you have to keep track of titles and everything that are involved with that, and 
I, and I don't know how it works. I mean, w- with a sale that quickly, are you signing a title and then selling it to someone else and signing it again? Some of these were dirt bikes, so they didn't even have titles. Okay. But um, but yeah, I, um, the one that the, the little Yamaha fifty, it was a little PW fifty. I I went, I actually drove like fifteen miles out um, from the swap meet and went and picked it up at a. I bought it out of um off a of Facebook or Craigslist or something, and then um. So there was one bike in there that I could have sold more because there was a what they an OSA. Do you remember what an OSA? I, I so I bought this orange OSA. I know that oh, I know that name. Okay, OSA Pioneer. Um, it was a two fifty. I bought it. It was in really a really pretty bike, perfect paint on it, and Doug had a a buyer for that one. And I, I had put a price on it. I'm like, well, I don't really want to sell that one. It's, Doug, you've been selling all these other ones for me, but let's not sell this one because I think I kind of like it. Well, this guy, he really wants it. So I come back and he goes, hey, you got to put a price on that because this guy has been back twice now. I'm like, well, okay. Uh, no, nah, okay, 900 bucks, 1000 bucks, whatever it was. And he goes, well, he wants to talk to you. And I'm like, well, so then he, he goes, well, the guy came back again. And so then I go to leave to go get this little 50 out. I had to borrow one of the guy's trucks, drove out of town to go get it. I come. So as I'm out in the parking lot, I walk up, and here's this orange and black OSA out in the parking lot for sale for 500 bucks with a title, original owner title, and it runs, and it's in pretty sad-looking shape. It's it's all it's been very very beat up and lots of cra- and but I'm like now wait a second I have a really pretty one sitting back at the at the at the spot where we mm-hmm. sell stuff and because we're actually in the we're bending in the in the show and I'm like I get back and I'm like and Doug's like this guy came back for the fourth time. He goes, you got to put a price on that. Like, it's not for sale now at any price because I just bought another one out in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so that was two, two of the bikes I brought home that year. And yeah, so they're, they're still sitting there waiting for me to transfer parts. And, and, um, Doug's done a lot of stuff um, for me for the restoration and the, and the, the bike detailing and stuff. And, um, he that's it was on the list a couple different times and yeah but that's just yeah just that's just one of many many waiting so have you fully made the switch then that you're just a bike buyer and you're you're out of the sports car business muscle car business well i'm sorry muscle car i'm sorry remember the state farm said (laughs) said (laughs) yeah no sports car yeah um no no i i bought I bought a a 65 GTO just here. Um, uh, I bought that one um, here in the last year, year and a half. Unfortunately, I already sold that one because it was sitting out in the yard next to another uh, 70 GTO that I bought in the last two years. So, no, I'm still buying GTOs. I would like to still buy it pretty nice trans am but um i did I, I do have one 77 but um 
I don't know. It was the first one I ever took my son to go with me to, and he was like two or three, and he's twelve now. So I bought it basically about ten years ago. But he sat in there on my lap, and he touched that steering wheel, and the look that he gave me, he like, and he's just like looked at me like, and I don't think he was really even talking. And I, I, I mean, he was pretty young, so I'm sure he was talking. But he, 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 he touched that steering wheel and looked at me and was like. And his, the smile and, and the, the look on his face, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think he's got it. I think he's got it in him. So, so I don't know. That's I'm waiting for him to pull me into the garage and say, hey, which one of these is going to be mine or something, and, <laughs> and start helping restore one for him. But that day hasn't come yet. So. How much time do you actually spend looking for things now versus they just seem to find you? Oh, Wow. That's kind of a, a lot of stuff finds me. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> but I go looking for stuff too, so that is a that is a good question. I, I just a lot of stuff finds me. Well, got, one of the things that pops into my head here is um, seeing if I can't hitch my little wagon to yours and see if you can't find a couple things for me because I've been wanting a nineteen sixty. AMC Cross Country for a while. 1960 AMC Cross Country. Uh, it, oh. it is this old-looking, old-style station wagon kind of thing. Oh, that okay. It just, I, for some reason, I just really think it looks cool. Is that one, does that have the, the glass windows up on top or anything? I don't think it has it all, not all the way up the top, but there is a, like a, a chrome, there's like a chrome luggage rack up there, yeah. and uh, it just, it looks pretty cool. Because um, there's a few of those station wagons that had that little bubble window up on top, like a yeah. little... No, I know what you mean, like, yeah. The Vista, yeah. Uh, yeah, th- there's another there's another topic. I mean, station wagons, back in the 80s and 90s, you wouldn't even be caught dead. No, 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 no. That was... Um, and th- th- it was embarrassing. Yes. And now all of a sudden, it's 2020, and and and, and now station wagons are like... Hot. Yep. I mean, <laughs> well, you look back at some of those that, um, you know, had the, the wood grain panels and stuff like that that have just gotten very popular again. And uh, people are flashing back to riding in the back seat and, you know, the are all the way in the back and you're facing the wrong direction. No seat belts. The window goes up and down that's behind there, you know, that kind of thing. So, yes. Speaking of station wagons, I just have to bring this up. Okay. So a buddy of mine, Brian, from Omaha, he he was in the station wagon. He calls me one day, says, hey, I've got something that um, you might be interested in. He told me a little bit about it. He, he had a, like about a 1980 Oldsmobile wood grain on the side. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I cut the top off of it. It's a convertible, station wagon convertible. So I, I'm like, really? And he goes, well, I, I, I brush rolled it lime green and put some orange racing stripes on it. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, it's, it's, getting, it's getting fall time. I'm going to have to find a place to park it or whatever. Runs great. 75 bucks. Really? I mean, this is back in, this is probably... Oh, 
early 2000s. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm like lime green, orange racing stripes, convertible station wagon. I'm like, you know what? I think I have to have that for 75 bucks. <laughs> Go over to his house, and I, I look at it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is just screaming ugly, man. I'm like, I have to have this, you know, just to, just to drive it around for a few days. So I drive it home. I drive it at the time my girlfriend's house. It's now my wife. So I pull in the driveway. And the next morning, I don't even tell her. Next morning, she walks out. Oh my! Th- please tell me this is. <laughs> what are you doing with this? And 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 she's like, Oh my God! I will never ride in this thing for you. So I back it out and I I go to work. The very next day, the very next day. She says, I don't know what you're, I am, I will not ride in that car because that thing is just, just too crazy. The wood grain, the, the lime pea green or whatever. I mean, it was, it was, it was a, it was a, it, it really, I, I have to find the pictures and show it to you sometime. But so I go to back it out of the, her driveway. It's only a single driveway. So I back it out and, and she's waving like, like stop, stop. She says, my car's dead. Her battery had died. Oh. And I go, well. <laughs> Here's what we have. <laughs> it looks like you're riding in it today. <laughs> and she's like, no. Oh, my God. She was. And I took her and I dropped her off right at the front door of her work that where she was working at. And, of course, it was early enough. The people were still out on smoke break. And they're like, what is this? And here comes. Here comes. My girlfriend getting out of the car and and she's walking up to the building and they're all looking and they're like, "What is she? What is he driving?" And I'm like, <laughs> "But yeah, so yeah, that was that was yeah." So I I decide about a month or so later to sell this car because it's time it it cuz it, it is going to be winter time and right. so, someone's going to be looking for a, a good Oldsmobile motor to put this car motor into something so i 3 o'clock on a saturday i'm like well it's it's that time to maybe put it out there for sale so i write $150 on it and i started writing my phone number i, I don't know i got my whole entire phone number on there and I had another guy, Nick, stop by, and he owned a bicycle shop in town. And he looks at me and says, dude, the decimal point is the wrong spot. Really? He goes, there's no way you're going to get $150 for that because that thing is so ugly. Because <laughs> you, you better put that decimal point over one and just... So and, and and hope for fifteen dollars and 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 be happy. I go well. I, I, I'm gonna put it out for one hundred fifty because a good engine is gonna right. know, good engine's worth one hundred fifty bucks back back in the early two thousands. And I pulled that thing out of Grease Monkey within forty seconds. A Chevy Blazer 
was going down Broadway, and he locked up all four tires, came across the – he was in the inner lane. Right. He locked up all four tires, came across the other lane, hopped the curb, pulled in, and says, does it run good? I'm like, yep. He goes, I'll take it. <laughs> it was out there. I looked at Nick. Nick looked at me, and he stomped his feet and says, I can't believe this. He goes, this is the biggest. <laughs> I, goes, I am totally he he was he was shocked. He was mad. He was like, "I can't believe this." He got into his car and left. <laughs> yeah. So yes, um, <laughs> crazy story. And then my phone number. I remember this guy drives off. He he goes, "Well, here, give me the keys and here's here's the money." I gave him the title, and he goes, "I'll be back." He goes, "Go ahead and lock up the place." He goes, "I'll be back with another driver to drive the car." So so it was his car then. So he drives off in it, and my phone rang because I left my phone number on that with the, with the shoe polish. Oh, so he so I, he has the car, but your number's on it. My number's on it, and he parks it over off of like he parked it over off of like twenty, roughly about twenty fourth and Lake Street. I mean, it was like within two blocks of of um, I want to say it was like a twenty second and like um. Florence Boulevard or something over in that area. I had to finally ask somebody. I'm like, no, I sold that car. Well, well, I just saw your, I just saw it for sale just a few, like an hour ago. No, I sold that car like a week ago. And then finally, on about the tenth or twelfth person, I said, can you please tell me where this car is even sitting at? Because so I drove over there with a with a pocket knife or a razor blade, and I and I scratched off half my phone number because. People were still calling, and they were getting mad at me. <laughs> well, why you have it out there for sale? I'm like, well, dude, it's not, it's not for sale anymore. I sold it already. I'm like, I don't know where he's, you know, where it's at. So I had to go track it down and and finally get my phone number off of it. <laughs> yeah. Like I know this is an audio recording, so nobody else can see this, but I pulled up a picture of that that AMC cross country I'm talking about. Oh yeah. That's what I'm after. Nice. Yeah. So that it, it and from what I've seen they're not really that expensive when you think about yeah. um classic cars. Classics, yeah. That however I'm also in the market for something else that my bank account's not big enough yet. <laughs> that would be about a 1965 Ranchero. Ranchero? Yeah. Okay. So that that's going to cost a little more. Yeah. Yeah. But oh. The uh that though it, if if I knew of one of those that were out there I might seriously consider yeah yeah right now but um speaking of so we're talking about fords here here's another funny story mm-hmm. um involves a grease monkey and falls involves my father-in-law um ron so ron says can you help me sell sell my 65 fairlane sure sure ron, i'll put it out there for sale so i i part, pull it down to grease monkey and um it was a nice. It was a. It was a decent car. It was painted back in the '80s. Still had really good turquoise paint on it. Um, just sold it like a, here in the last year. Maybe time flies by now, but um, here in the last two years, I, I think it was two summers ago, and um, V8, four uh, stick stick shift on the floor, and um, and looked great. It really, it really, truly was a, a good-looking car. A guy could drive it around and be proud of it. I mean, 
And um, so I get a couple tire kickers, and finally this this guy shows up, and he says, "Who? Because are you willing? Can you negotiate?" I'm like, "Well, I go." He's asking ten thousand, um, or maybe he might have been asking like ninety five. It was in the nines. He goes, "Well, I really want to." He goes, "Are you are you able to negotiate?" I'm like, "Well, I'm 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 I can negotiate to to a certain point." I'm like, "Ron's giving me." I go, "It sounds like you're a pretty serious buyer." He goes, "Well, this is how serious I am. You want to smell smell the." smell the cash and he, so he <laughs> he pulls out this wad of hundred dollar bills and oh yeah there's and, somebody that's trying to negotiate so, yeah so <laughs> and i've done the same thing so so i'm like i go sounds like you're pretty serious why don't i call my father-in-law and get him down here so call ron he comes down and and he they sit out there and talk and they they came up to a price. To this day, I, he has never told me what he got out of it. Um, but, it, I mean, it was a, a good chunk. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think he would have just gave it away. So so he got enough money from the guy, a large enough amount, because Ron didn't have a title, and he didn't have a trailer, um, the, the, the new buyer. So the guy says, well, here's 5000 of it. Is that enough and Ron says, "Yeah, that's 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 enough to hold it, and and here's the keys, so you can come back and get it later today. And then you just give me the rest when I get to bring the title back." So he brings the title back. They meet at seven o'clock that night. Well, I think I had Boy Scouts that night, so I left right at six o'clock, six o one. I was I, I had to be at Cub Scouts um, for my kid, and so I wasn't physically there for. The, for the other part of this transaction. So so Ron gets there right at 7 o'clock with the title, and he walks around the car and says, in some language that I probably can't say right now, but he's like, what in the mm-hmm. happened? And the new owner that had the keys because he gave him enough money right. to have the keys. So he's going to preload it on his car trailer. Been buying and selling cars and for this guy was probably in his later 60s, early 70s, and he'd been doing this whole, his whole life. He goes, yeah, because it's never happened to me. But the the car ramp wasn't attached quite right. He says, I bought and sold hundreds and hundreds of cars. And he goes, um, the car ramp had come undone. And he tore the whole fender off oh. and put and and basically um, put a big, huge gouge in the door. And the rocker panel was completely smashed in. And he basically totaled this car out putting it on the car ramp, but he was planning on changing the color anyway. So he was actually laughing. I mean, he, he wasn't laughing about it, but he wasn't, he was like, yeah, I was going to paint it anyway. It's more, <laughs> more work. But Ron walked around the car and he's like, what in the heck happened to the car? And he's like, 
well, I missed a car ramp and <laughs> and just totaled this 65 Fairlane out right in my parking lot. So, yeah. Still got the deal done, though? He got the yeah, rest oh, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was all his. It was the new owner's right. fault. And 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 uh, totally was sort of – Ron said he was kind of laughing about it. I mean, not laughing, but he, not, not trying to cry, but sort of like – well, it's over and done with, and, you know, I was going to paint the car anyway. So Ron's like, okay, well, and, and, I mean, he's like, he felt guilty about taking the rest of his money, but he's like, you know, but, yeah, he he did it, so. but You uh, are involved in a lot of things outside of automotive. I mean, you take care of, uh, well, you have some rental properties that you, you have, and you mentioned the... The sand blood, water blaster, water blaster that, that yeah. you bought that you were doing stuff with that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering how many different <laughs> different industries that you're in. Well, that's just um, that's pretty much it. That's it. Buying and buying and selling cars and motorcycles and and the the water blasting, sand blasting, and and all that. And then grease monkey, and then yes, rental houses and rental property, yeah, and so you're at about two hours of sleep a night. Is that where you, is that where you're at? <laughs> well, I I do go home and I can usually pass out fairly quick. fairly quickly. <laughs> yes. So yeah. So if I if I start asking you about what TV shows you like, you're not going to be able to answer that very well. Yeah, it's, it's probably not a lot of time for that kind no, of thing. No, no. Well, I'm I'm fascinated with everything you do and uh, with the amount of stuff. You and I were talking. Um, I made mention how I used to ride a moped, and you said, was that your first one? And I said, no, my first one was one of those that actually had pedals, and you pulled up a picture, and so I got five of those. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, it's just, I've, you have so many different things that so many different things interest you, and you can find not just value, but you strike me as you also find beauty in a lot of these things, and and I think that's what attracts you to them. Yeah, um, yeah I do. I do. Yes, I do buy some unusual things. Yes. Well, there was um, soapbox derby car back in there. Is that yeah. something you made, or is that no? Is no, that I actually bought? acquired that from a customer. the 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 one hanging on the wall inside a grease monkey was an old retired soapbox derby, and, and then someone had cut that in half. Uh, what the two sponsors or something, and they cut it in half and. And half of it went one way, and half of it went the other way. And actually, the one son of the other half that he said, "You know what? I think the other half is in. I think I had the other half." And he was always going to go and look and and maybe bring me down the other half. And I guess I'd maybe hang that on my wall too. I don't know. <laughs> but yes. See, now the way my mind works while you're doing all of this stuff, I'm thinking, you know, like the. Like the antique archaeology guys that had their own TV show that they just started going out and videoing themselves when they were doing this stuff, and next thing you know, they've got a TV show. Mm-hmm. That should be you. You should be doing that. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't want to call them to have them come over and look at your stuff and go picking through it. Yeah. I think you should have your own show. <laughs> now, I'm not sure where you'd find the time to do it, but yeah. have you ever thought about like building a showroom and actually having a retail space for this stuff? I have. I have been for for the last 
few years, I have been wanting to do a, like a, I call it a museum because that's the easiest uh, museum, man cave, maybe, maybe the better term for it. Because, I mean, I mean, who's really going to drive to Council Bluffs and look at a motorcycle museum? I'm, I, I get my hopes up. I'm like, you know, is anybody really going to do that? I don't know. So I'm, why don't I just call it a man cave and then I won't get my feelings hurt, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you'd be surprised. I think you would be surprised. Um, there's enough people that would be interested in seeing a lot of the things that you have and also hearing your story. Uh, I mean, because we're just scratching the surface here of, of, of all the different things because you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things, uh, whether it be an automobile or a motorcycle or some of the different things we talked about, but they all have a story with it, and you know the story to all of it, and there is, it, it's fascinating, and yeah, would there be a market? There absolutely would be, and not only that, I think it would be a phenomenal addition to the community to have a place like that, so I, I'm in. Let's, yeah. go, let's go find you a place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I currently... Am trying to negotiate, or um, I am. I was in the driver's seat of, of, of a particular building here in Council Bluffs. Um, I, I am. I'm even willing to step out of. I mean, I I, I almost bought something in Silver City. I almost. Um, I looked at Glenwood. I looked at. You know, I looked at some places around Council Bluffs. I looked at a place in Trainer. Um, I looked. Um, I would go to Omaha. I tried going down to the Chamber of Commerce in, here in Council Plus and um, and kind of got like laughed at. I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, they zero help. Yeah, zero help. Um, I did call a lady, the museum, like Iowa. It was somebody in Des Moines or somewhere in Iowa. I I called a one eight hundred number and I was talking to her oh four or five years ago and. And I told her what I was, and she's like, she was being very short with me and didn't really care to help me. And and it was on a Friday, and and it was later in the day. It was like three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, and and we started talking. And she's like, yeah, that yeah, that's you know. And she's, I mean, within three minutes, she was like, yeah, this is what you need to do, or this yeah. This was, she was being very. I have a feeling that. They didn't really know who they were talking to. Well, because I'm, I'm guessing they do get calls about inquiry calls and people just kind of fishing for information and yeah. stuff because they have a general idea, not realizing that, no, you have, not only do you have the inventory, but you have the resources and you have everything already in place to do this. So within, she said, well, then you're going to have to get inventory. I go, well, and at the time I was on maybe, maybe 250, 300 motorcycles. Oh, that's and, all. Yeah. That, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it was like less than half of what I have now. Right. And, and and she's like, "Oh, oh, you already have yeah. a collection." And then, she, and you know what? Her and I talked for like another thirty or forty minutes, and she was actually, "Oh, wow, this guy, this guy could be serious about you know." Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of she changed a little bit on the phone. Still, nothing came of it and I, I, I still have to 
everybody I talked to wanted me to get a 501c3 started. And, right. and I did talk, to, I do have a friend that does that kind of work. And, um, um, and Lisa was, she was willing to help me a little bit. And, and I still need to reach out to her and actually get things actually going. And there was, and she does like grant writing and stuff. So, yeah. But she thought it maybe it'd be better if I owned the building and then start doing all. So I'm trying to get this building bought. Yeah. A lot of moving parts then. At least bikes. And and finding finding the time to focus on this because I can take a look at everything that you do uh, and think, oh, that's a full-time job. And you have... (laughs) You have many of these that you're doing. I don't know where you find the time or or also how you keep it straight. Yeah. Because there's just so many different things going on. It is um yes, it is kind of time consuming, yes. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time today. Okay. And uh I'm sure I'll be seeing you again just as soon as I put enough miles on my car to come in and need another sure. oil change. Yeah. Or things start making noise again. Yeah. Because that's gonna happen too. <laughs> But we took care of most of the noises, though. Yeah, we did. Yes. Yeah, you were able to, I, I thought, I have a uh, 2017 Challenger, and I thought, because I was told by someone else that it was uh, sway bar linkage. That's what makes that noise. That's what the problem is. And nope, that wasn't it. And it was yeah. <laughs> just the body of my car trying to fall off the frame. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But I appreciate your time. I appreciate, yeah. I I'm a fan of anyone who has made such a success and the the way that you've done it. And your reputation is stellar. And folks love to come see you for it. And that's why they'll go and get in line to get their oil changed an hour and a half before you even open. I mean, there's, a re- there's, there's another place half a block down the street that yeah. does oil changes, but they're still coming to you. Yeah. And I think that that is a... A huge testament to your business philosophy and, and understanding that how you treat people, that's what it's really all about. And that's going to translate into success. And, and you've done that. Yeah. Well, I tried my best. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. I know. It's, 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 well, Peggy does this to me all the time that she uh, pays me compliments. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, I usually say something that uh, disparaging the other way and said, no, just take the compliment. So, anyway. Appreciate your time, Brad, very much. Thank you. All right.